Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. High drive, center field, hit the wall, grand slam. This is magnificent. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where Here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. Happy Memorial Day, everybody, and welcome into Fantasy Baseball today. Frank Stample joined by Scott White here to recap another great weekend of baseball. We'll fire up the dropometer. We've got some waiver wire ads to talk about and get you ready for week 10 in Fantasy Baseball. But first, what's up, Scott? How you doing, buddy? Oh, I'm doing great. Doing well, just fine. That is a welcome sight. Great to hear because I don't know who I pissed off, Scott, but the sports gods, they're mad at me. I did something wrong because between the Knicks and the Yankees, I had an awful weekend. It was, (laughs) oh my gosh. Oh man. Yankees swept by the Tigers. Credit to the Tigers. I mean, we'll talk about some of their pitchers here early on. Uh, And then of course your hometown Atlanta Hawks, man, they're uh, really sticking it to my Knicks. Mm Mm-hmm. It's yeah, it's I a- wish I could celebrate that, but I haven't been <laughs> paying attention, to be perfectly honest. But uh, yeah, go Hawks. It's a Good rough scene. It is a rough there, scene there are, out there. There are times in my life when I, I made an earnest effort to be a Hawks fan. Uh, but I'd be lying if I said that time is right now. It's a good time. It's a good time to be a Hawks Maybe I'll fan. jump on the bandwagon if they get to the finals or something. But. <laughs> you might as well. I mean, they got a lot of young, up-and-coming talent, but no one wants to hear about basketball. Let's uh, let's jump right into some standouts from the weekend. Oh, my good, goodness gracious. All right, Sky, where would you like to start? I would like to start with Zach Wheeler, mm. who has been dealing, wheeling and dealing. And uh, 14 strikeouts in his start over the weekend. It was his third straight start with double-digit strikeouts. And like we've never seen this from Zach Wheeler before. He's 31 years old. And remember our take on him coming into the season as well. Look, he's finally become reliable. A little boring, but you know he's safe. And now he's striking out 11 batters per nine innings. His his K per nine is higher than uh, than Trevor Rogers at this point, as good as of a, a start as Rogers got off to. I mean, it's genuinely elite. And you know, even before this stretch of double digit strikeout efforts for Wheeler, his swinging strike rate was way up. You know, he's a guy you look at the swinging strike rate over the years, but pretty. Pretty bland, pretty vanilla. Wasn't getting it done by missing bats. Was really getting it done more by weak contact. So where did this come from for Zach Wheeler? Well, in his own words, um, he's learned to pitch to his strengths. He's learned to pitch to his strengths. And, And what that seems to mean is more first pitch strikes, first of all, getting ahead in the count, 
his first pitch strike rate is 65.6% this year compared to 58.3% last year. That's a pretty big difference. Now, he has been closer to 65 in the past, but still. Uh, getting more first pitch strikes and really reconfiguring his arsenal so that the swing and miss pitch are being used more. Basically, he's faded the sinker in favor of more four-seamers, which in his case is a good swing and miss pitch, and more sliders, which is his best swing and miss pitch. And um, I don't know, he's saying everything is shaped like it's supposed to, so I, I think he feels better about how the pitches are, uh, you know, the, the kind of path they're taking to the plate in addition to uh, the choices he's making, in addition to throwing strikes. I, I just think he's found another gear here that nobody saw coming, and uh, I think it's I think it's time we treat him like a true ace. Yeah, it's been an awesome season thus far for Zach Wheeler, and I we did one of the podcasts we did preseason was who have you wound up with most at each position, and Zach Wheeler was actually the starting pitcher. I wound up with a lot of shares just because he was boring for the reasons yep. you mentioned. Seemed like he was reliable, pitches deep into games consistently, and. I was not expecting anything close to this that we've gotten from Zach Wheeler thus far. He is the SP4 in points leagues. He's SP9 in Roto. It's, it's a pleasant surprise, yeah. I'm, and I'm still not I'm not ready to move him inside my top 12, but you know, I think he's right there with Lance Lynn. Maybe I'd put him even ahead of Lance Lynn. Yeah, I think I made... he's kind of doing what we hope Lynn would do, right? Yeah, I, I made that swap already last week. I moved Wheeler ahead yeah. of Lynn, so I have him at SP15 just behind names like Flaherty and Bueller and Kershaw. So I don't know if we can do that yet, but a couple more outings like this, and and I think we can uh, start to see Zach Wheeler climb up a little bit higher. So he's been great, throwing his slider a little bit more this year, 25% of the time. Mm -hmm. That's a career high for him uh, and has a, a really good whiff rate on that slider as well. So uh, shout out to Zach Wheeler. He's been great. I'm going to cheat a little bit here, Scott. I I'm going to give two standouts from the weekend because I, I do think that they might be the most exciting players that are available on waiver wires right now one hitter and one pitcher and we'll start with Tyler O'Neill, who has seven hits in four games including three home runs since returning from the IL he's now up to 11 home runs and four steals on the season uh, the good news is he is crushing the baseball this season like he's always hit the ball extremely hard but even more so now than ever before his expected Woba on contact this year so basically it just measures your quality of contact 98th percentile his barrel rate and expected slugging percentage are both the best in baseball that's tyler o'neill so uh the downside to him is that he has a two percent walk rate and a 34 percent strikeout rate so i'm not sure how long he can maintain this type of production scott but he's 58 percent mm -hmm. rostered he's got seven games this upcoming week uh including facing two lefties is tyler o'neill a must add in all formats the way that he's playing no, I wouldn't say must add in all formats. I would hesitate to add him in a points league as bad as that plate discipline is. And even though the expected stats line up with his, well, I mean, his, his, the expected stats are even better than the actual stats. Is it expected batting average 300, expected slug 682. You know, his actual batting average and slug are good, but not that good. But you, you mentioned he, how high his he ranks in barrel rate. His barrel rate coming into Sunday's game was 22.7%. Like half of that barrel rate would be considered good. So it just seems too good to be true. You know, like barreling up the ball that consistently. I just, I, I think that, 
I think that's like the embodiment of a hot streak. Uh, and I don't, I don't think he can sustain this. And, and with the plate discipline that bad, you know, I, I don't know how he looks coming out the other side. I'm open to the idea that he's breaking out, but I need to see more evidence. Fair enough. Yeah. Tyler O'Neill. So he should be added in all five outfielder leagues. You're all right with that. Yeah. Yeah. All five outfielder leagues and, you know, category league, even a, a three outfielder category league. I'd prioritize him probably more than I am in a points league, but you know, uh, as somebody who had to add an outfielder in a couple of three outfielder points leagues this weekend, and obviously three outfielder leagues, you're talking the shallower end of the spectrum. But I was looking at, I was looking at like Tommy Pham over Tyler O'Neill, who's rostered in nine percent, sixty-seven percent of leagues versus O'Neill's fifty-eight percent. Mm-hmm. So similarly available. And I want to say there was even another out, other, other outfielders I was looking at over. O'Neill in those points leagues, but you know, O'Neill was on the radar, but he was further down for me in a points league. Fair enough. Yeah. Tyler O'Neill, he's mashing, but the, uh, the plate discipline is really, really tough to swallow in a points league. How about Tarek Skubal who up against my Yankees six shutout on Sunday with three hits, three walks, eight strikeouts, including 15 swinging strikes on 95 pitches. And he basically went back to his changeup that he was throwing last year. He ditched the splitter, as of May 14th on, in four starts since then, he has a 3.27 ERA. Uh, he's 30% rostered. So Tyler O'Neill was not a must-add. Scott, how about Tarek Skubal? Is he a must-add? Well, he's closer. You know, obviously it depends on how much pitching you need, but I, I feel better. I feel more confident in the direction Tarek Skubal's heading. That change-up, you know, I, I, I liked... Scooble is a breakout coming into the year in part because he developed this new change up with driveline baseball. It's kind of a split change, whatever. Um, it seemed like it, it seemed like a sensible move. But if you go back and look at last year when he began throwing his change up more late in the season, he was getting a lot more whiffs. It was not it was not looking like a completely ineffective pitch for him. And now he's getting those whiffs on the slider too. Like he's he's gone from being mostly just the fastball last year to it looks like three legit pitches now with the fastball still being the best, but uh, nonetheless on Sunday, Scooble um, is swinging straight. He got three on the slider. He got four on the change out of 15 total whiffs on the day. So like they were, they were all contributing to that total and his previous two starts, both just five innings, but he had nine strikeouts in each. So, you know, there's a three start stretch where Scooble has, looked like a, a really effective pitcher, if only in short shorts, um, you know, short starts there. Seeing him go six innings in this one, obviously, makes me feel even better about picking him up. And uh, I think there's a good chance he keeps it going. Uh, which Detroit Tigers starting pitcher, Scott, do you like most that might be available? Casey Mize, 71% rostered. Spencer Turnbull, 63% rostered. Obviously, Scooble available in many more leagues. He's only 30% rostered on CBS. How would you rank those three Tigers starting pitchers? Yeah, and I think that, I think Scooble definitely has to be at the top of that list. Okay. Definitely, even though he's the least rostered. Obviously, Turnbull's roster rate jumped up a lot this week because he was in line for two starts, two very favorable matchups. And he pretty much came through. Uh, I actually like what what Turnbull did on Sunday. Uh, no, it wasn't Sunday, obviously. It was Saturday, right? Saturday, when Turnbull started, 
he he got 13 whiffs in five and two-thirds innings. So that's three out of his fa- past four starts where Turnbull's had double-digit whiffs. And, and that's not something we've seen a lot from him in the past. So I'm not saying if you picked up Turnbull for the two-star week, you have to dump him now. There may still be something there, but I would rather have Scooble. And, um, you know, I'd, I'd probably still have Turnbull outside of my top 75 starting pitchers. All righty. Scooble ahead of uh, all the other Tigers starting pitchers. Lots to be excited about right now with Tarek Scooble. Lots to be excited about with who? The Mountain. Alec Mano. We spoke about mm-hmm. him a ton on Friday. I just I just like calling him the Mountain. So any excuse that I get to say that, I'm going to go for it. Um, I wanted to know how much he went for in your Fab League, Scott, if you have that readily available. In my 15-team yeah. uh, Roto Leagues on Sunday, he went for 318 Dollars out of a thousand dollar budget in my uh, fifteen team five by five main event league over at the NFBC. I actually had the backup bid at two hundred and eighty nine dollars, but uh, I'm already un- under five hundred dollars in, in that league, so uh, I, I couldn't be as aggressive as I wanted to. And then he went for two hundred and twenty three dollars in my TGFBI, which is also a fifteen team roto league. Yeah, he was. Li- I think he was like two eighty two and two eighty four in, um, in TGFBI and and the main event league that I share a team in. So yeah, over 208. And, and that's about what we were saying, right? 25, 30% of the budget. It always feels like more when it's out of a thousand as opposed to out of a hundred. Yeah. I don't I, know why that is, but it does. I think on Friday we said that we'd be willing to go as high as 35%. And, and technically if we did that, <laughs> we would have won him in, in all leagues where he was available. But uh, yeah, it's just, it's it hard. Spent too much money already. Yeah. That's yeah. the problem. <laughs> it's tough. Uh, before we get to some news and notes, just want to remind everyone that you could follow Fantasy Baseball Today and FBT and 5 on Spotify. Not just an app for music, of course. Has all of your favorite podcasts from CBS Sports. I've been using it more recently. Uh, when I listen to podcasts, you can listen at virtually any speed that you can imagine. I'm a big 1.5x speed guy. Um kind of guy myself. And uh, again, yeah, just make sure to listen and follow this podcast on Spotify. Thanks as always. Some news and notes from the weekend. Just an awful, awful story coming out of Atlanta this weekend as uh, Marcelo Zuna was arrested on charges of aggravated assault by strangulation, a felony that carries a minimum of three years and a maximum of 20 years in prison and misdemeanor battery. It's Look, it's it's completely egregious. It's it's a tough story. It's a tough story if you, if you read anything about it with Marcelo Zuna. So uh, he has the injury on top of that. I don't know that we will ever see him play baseball again. And rightfully I would, so. I would definitely say we don't see him play baseball again this year. I dropped him in, in all the leagues where I had him. So I would advise everyone else to do the same. Go ahead and uh, drop Marcel Ozuna. Uh, Trevor Story went to the IL with right elbow inflammation as a precautionary measure. And uh, it looks like Dan Schneier, who copy and paste the rundown, just deleted my rundown for a second. And I was freaking <laughs> out. I was like, where did everything just go? Uh, but it's back. So thanks, Dan. Oh. Uh, Trevor, <laughs> Trevor Story went to the IL. Oh my God, I almost had a panic attack. Uh, with right elbow inflammation, uh, he will undergo more testing on Monday or Tuesday. Kevin Cosman was removed from Sunday start due to... The downside of Google Sheets here, <laughs> yeah. I think. We just discovered it. Yeah, this isn't the best idea. I think I'm going to have to <laughs> make some 
Microsoft uh, Word documents moving forward. Uh, but Kevin Gosman was removed from Sunday start due to left hip, hip tightness as a precaution. He's slated to undergo an MRI as well. Uh, Michael Brantley went to the IL with right hamstring tightness. And Max Kepler also went to the IL with left ha- with a left hamstring strain. And Scott, Trevor Larnick, it looks like he's going to be sticking around a little bit longer. And now that we don't really have as many concerns about playing time, at least for the short-term future, I think he needs to be rostered in more than 17% of leagues. He hit another long home run this weekend, and through 20 games, Trevor Larnick is batting 228, which is not great, admittedly. But that comes with a 16% walk rate, 26% strikeout rate. His X-slug is 547, and his max exit velocity is in the 98th percentile. This is Trevor Larnick we're talking about from, from the Minnesota Twins. He plays seven games this week. I'll throw a few names your way, Scott. You let me know if you would drop any of these for Larnick. Andrew Vaughn. Uh, I no, I don't. I don't think any of the names you list here. Just spoiler alert. I don't think I'm going to say drop any of them for Larnick. That would include Jorge Soler and Dominic Smith. Yeah. Though uh, I mean, I like. You know, I I think I said last week at, at on one of the shows that 17. I'm I'm surprised Larnick is down at 17 percent and not, you know, closer to like 50 percent. Given the caliber of prospect he is, and that he hasn't looked overmatched. I mean, the play discipline's been great. He had that 461 foot home run to center field last week, where you know you you watch the highlight of it and you're like, you know, they they have that that batter's eye that's basically like a bunch of shrubs in center field, and you're like, okay, how far up there is it going to land? And then it lands <laughs> above them, and yeah, and like this. I don't know these these luxury boxes or something out there. <laughs> real real easy power. That that's what I'm noticing right now with Trevor Larnick. So if you do need power yeah. in a five outfielder league, those are typically category leagues. Uh, Larnick is someone that you could look at. Kenta Maeda is past his groin issue, but is managing a sore right arm, which doesn't sound great, and maybe contributed to some of his struggles. Uh, somebody recently requested Scott that we take a look at players who are banged up and decide whether or not to leave them in our weekly lineups. So I don't have a name for this segment, but it's debuting right now. Ramon yeah. Laurie. <laughs> Ramon well, Laurie. It's always hard to give a firm yes or no to any of these, but yeah, that's fine. Because yeah. it depends, obviously, like who you have on your team. But uh, right. R- Ramon Laureano missed this weekend's series with groin tightness. How are you feeling about Ramon Laureano? I I think in five outfielder leagues, probably stick with them, but otherwise not. Uh, Yordan Alvarez has missed four straight with right wrist soreness and is unlikely to play on Monday. This one sounds a little bit more grim, Scott. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would lean against it. His teammate Yuli Gurriel was out of the lineup for a second straight day on Sunday with inflammation in his left middle finger. Anything on Yuli Gurriel? No, yeah, I mean this doesn't sound like a big deal. I added, you know, I in, in a league where you have to make moves overnight. I, I made one for an alternate first baseman in the league where I have Gurriel. Um, so I'm just waiting to the last minute. But um, I, I, I guess if you don't have that luxury, I would lean towards starting him. You know, obviously, if you have a great alternative at first base, you can play it safe. But if you don't, I'd lean towards starting Gurriel. Jazz Chisholm has missed four straight with a mild right ankle sprain and. I think, I think in any category league, Scott, where you have a middle infielder, it's probably going to be hard to get Chisholm out of your lineup. But I think in anything shallower where you don't have a middle infielder, if you play in a points league, you probably could find someone who'll play it safe and, and keep Chisholm on your bench. 
Yeah, that's I would agree with that mostly. I know I have him in a categories league, though, where uh, I, I think I could move Brandon Lau to second base and and put another outfielder in. And my plan is to do that unless I hear something optimistic. Uh, so, you know, maybe I'm a little more cautious than the average person, but that's that's what I'm leaning toward with Chisholm. Anthony Rizzo has now sat out five straight games with back tightness. This is another one where I I don't feel great about it. And, and I should have mentioned earlier that there's a ton of early games on Monday. So, you know, probably going to have to make these lineup decisions earlier in the, in the morning and um, with all these early games on Memorial Day. So, Anthony Rizzo, mm-hmm. I think it's kind of similar to Jazz Chisholm where if you, you play in a league where you have a corner infielder, it's probably going to be tough to get him out of your lineup. But anything shallower, if I play in a points league, uh, the podcast points league that I share with Adam, he's currently on my bench because I just, I don't know when Anthony Rizzo is going to play again. So, and obviously backs can flare up and, and they can be annoying. Uh, the last one is JD Martinez. He missed Sunday after fouling a ball off of his left foot on Saturday. I'd lean yes on that. Alrighty. Kyle Gibson is likely to be activated this weekend. Uh, Jose Urania went to the aisle with a right forearm strain. Jorge Soler left Saturday's game with right groin discomfort. The Royals promoted Edward Olivares on Sunday. He went two for four and is only 3% rostered. Uh, Olivares was batting 395 with five home runs and seven steals in 20 games at AAA, Scott. Any interest in Edward Olivares of the Royals? Not not in rushing out and picking him up, other than like an AL-only league. Uh, He was interesting last year, though, and... As we've discussed before, I was a year early on a lot of players. So, <laughs> but keep an eye on him. Miles Michaelis received a stem cell injection in his right flexor tendon and will be reevaluated in four to six weeks. Wade Miley is set to return on Monday and will be a two start pitcher, I believe. Uh, Tony Gonsolin could return after one more rehab start with the Dodgers. Uh, Pete Alonso is expected to be activated on Monday for the Mets. Davey Garcia. Was not here for long. He was demoted after Saturday's start where he allowed five runs over four and a third. So, continues his struggles. Um, yeah. He was not good in AAA. He's, Davey Garcia just looks lost right now. So, I think he's got to work on some things in the minors. Luke Voigt is expected to miss at least a few weeks with that grade two oblique strain. So, will not be back after the minimum time. Jose Arquiti is rejoining the Astros rotation on Monday. Cabrian Hayes, good news, man. Finally expected back on Thursday for the Pirates. Victor Robles began a rehab assignment on Sunday, and we had a bunch of people return this weekend. Framber Valdez went up against the Padres. He allowed one run over four innings with four strikeouts. Cody Bellinger returned. JT Real Muto, Giancarlo Stanton, Starling Marte, Tim Anderson had four hits with two steals in two games this weekend. Uh, Jake Odorizzi returned on Saturday against the Padres. Five and a third, one earned, one walk, four strikeouts. Christian Walker is back for the D-backs. Trey Mancini returned, and Jesus Lozardo returned and will be used exclusively as a reliever for now with the for Oakland A's. Uh, he for missed now. nearly a month with a broken finger. Should we continue to hold on to Jesus Lozardo, Scott? Yeah, I think you should, and... Yeah, you know, I, I suspect he'll be in back in the rotation at some point. You know, they don't really have anyone obvious to remove right now. That'll change, and you know, gets a chance to build up in the meantime. I kind of hope he sticks. I guess it's a long time, but I kind of hope he sticks in the bullpen to get the ten appearances so that he can be RP eligible. But 
that might take a while. So maybe maybe I shouldn't have hoped for that. <laughs> we do have one prospect update from the weekend. Mackenzie Gore, the Padres' top pitching prospect, is dealing with a blister issue at AAA, and he has been dealing with uh, a bunch of performance issues as well. He yep. has trouble repeating his delivery. He's walking a lot of batters so far. So that's why we've seen names like Logan Gilbert and Alec Manoa potentially surpass Mackenzie Gore as the top pitching prospects in baseball because uh, he's struggled big time. Let's take a look at some players who you might want to drop. Scott will fire up the dropometer. Oh, these are actually all starting pitchers, I just realized. So let's do it. No, zero, not dropping this player at all. Ten, get rid of him. Don't eat him on your fantasy team. Blake Snell, what's happening, man? We talk, we talk about Blake Snell every week. Same thing with Luis Castillo. We'll get to him as well. Uh, but Blake Snell at the Astros this weekend, he allowed seven runs with three walks over just three innings pitched. The ERA now stands at 5.55. The walks per nine, 5.94. Blake Snell has really gone down this Robbie Ray rabbit hole from like a couple of years ago, yeah. and it's something you really don't want to do. So, Scott, where are we on Blake Snell, the dropometer? Can you drop him anywhere? Uh, maybe like a three. I've, I've been losing faith in him really for years I've been losing faith in him, but especially this year. And remember, it was just two outings ago that he had this the six innings for the first time since 2019 and 11 strikeouts, and it was his best start in a long time. But then the two starts since then have been really bad. You know, before that six-inning start, it's not like he was terrible. It's just he was inefficient and not giving you what you thought you were getting. But these last two starts, it's been bad. Now, Jace Tingler, his manager, pointed out this start on Sunday. He was facing the Astros, and he's like, the Astros don't chase anything. Like, you can't get the Astros to chase stuff. So I, I think he was pointing out that Snell was um, not being aggressive enough in the strike zone. And, you know, just looking at the numbers as a general rule, that's probably true. But the matchup didn't help him this time. You know, definitely a sit for now, but we know what the upside is and the whiff rate is still great. Even in the first of these two starts, I think he had like 16 whiffs in less than four innings. So, you know, you know, the stuff is good. The stuff isn't, hasn't been compromised here. So I'd hold on to Snell for now. And if you are a believer in the underlying numbers, XFIP is something that we uh, call out quite a bit here on this podcast. He has a 5.55 ERA, but that is with a 3.57 XFIP. So says that Blake Snell uh, is deserving of better numbers so far this season. Luis Castillo, eh, not so much. At the Cubs this weekend, he allowed four runs. Only two of those were earned, but four more walks. He only goes five innings, only gets three strikeouts. And I saw you point out, Scott, this is ridiculous. Luis <laughs> Castillo has 13 fantasy points on the season. That is so bad. That is, <laughs> yeah, to put that in perspective, bad. if he was averaging 13 points per start, standard CBS scoring. If he was averaging 13 points a start, that would be disappointing. That would be less than you hoped for from Luis Castillo. So to have 13 points total, how many starts in? Nine? Ten? Eleven starts. Eleven? He's averaging under two, uh, under one and a half fantasy points per start, which is just yeah. utterly ridiculous. So, So where are we... Are we closer to dropping him? Where, where are we on the dropo meter with Castillo? We're closer. I think if I went three on Snell, I got to go four on Castillo. I'd still, I'd still look for a way not to drop him. 
I actually have him in one of my shallowest leagues, a 12-team points league where only 252 healthy players are rostered. And I've I've managed to hold on to him, but it's been it's been hard. It's been obviously, you know, Jesus, hey, you scored 13 points all year. Why not give up on him? But of course, all that matters from the day you're making the decision is what happens here forward. And as we've been saying for Castillo, it's it could just turn on one day, like flipping a switch, you know? And um yeah, you'll you'll feel really bad that you dropped him if that was the, if if that were to happen. Mm-hmm. How about Madison Bumgarner, Scott? Who the velocity remains up, and he went up against the Cardinals this week, and he allowed seven runs. Six of those were earned, and now he, this is a few clunkers in a row. I know that he left recently with an injury in one of those starts, um, but he hasn't been as good as we saw earlier. So he's eighty four percent rostered. Where is Madison Bumgarner on the dropo meter? Probably like a six. I'm not. I'm not ready to abandon all hope here, but I, I realize roster space is limited and you know, you're kind of relying on what his season long numbers look like, what the perception was on him coming into the season. It wasn't just like a start or two where he looked transformed, you know, it was five starts. Mm-hmm. The numbers were amazing. And even, even in the rough starts since then, he's still averaged more than 91 or right around 91 on his fastball. It's still, you know, Returning to his former velocity, uh, so I don't I don't really know what's gone wrong for him, but it was a five start stretch where he was like giving up no hits. Oh, it was okay. So yeah, so in those five starts, he had a point nine ERA, and yeah, the hit rate was really low. So yeah, I mean, I'm not ready to just give up on Bumgarner, but I do think he's semi droppable. Mm-hmm. How about Anthony DiScalfani, Scott, who at the Dodgers this weekend, he wasn't terrible or anything. Four and two thirds, two earned, four walks, three strikeouts. He's just kind of meh. His last time out before this, I think it was his last time out, he got destroyed. He allowed something like 10 or 11 earned runs. Uh, he is still 84% rostered. The overall numbers this year are still very good for Anthony DiScalfani. So uh, where are you at on him on the dropo meter? I'm actually higher on dropping him. I'd put him at seven. Say the overall numbers are still really good. That's what you're telling me. I mean, 8K per nine. The XFIP is 411. The is 356. Okay. I I was uh, never totally on board with them anyway. I was keeping an open mind because it's the Giants and they've done some interesting things with pitchers over the last over the past couple of years. But uh, I don't think Desclafani deserves your undying loyalty. How about Patrick Corbin, Scott, up against the Brewers this weekend? Four earned runs, five strikeouts, five innings pitch. He's still 87% rostered, Patrick Corbin is. The ERA stands at 6.23 with a 1.52 whip drop meter Patrick Corbin. I'll put him with Bumgarner at a six. Some, some interesting things going on with him, and, and velocity, like with Bumgarner, isn't the concern anymore. Uh, he did kind of cut back on the sliders in this most recent start. You know, one of the encouraging signs was that he was going back to emphasizing the slider like during his best years and it was getting some whiffs. Um, but, you know, that that's just one start where he kind of changed that approach. I, I still think there's a chance he turns out pretty good this year, but yeah, I'll, I'll go six on the drop a meter. Dallas Keuchel has basically turned back into 
the Dallas Keuchel of old, where he is, I mean, he's really not getting any strikeouts at all, and I'm not going to say that 2020 was a complete fluke, because he was great, but uh, <laughs> that is not yeah. the Dallas Keuchel that we've seen so far this year. No. He has a 4.53 ERA and a 1.32 whip. What's the dropout meter on him, Scott? Eight. I just think he's fringy. I just think there are too yeah. many strikeouts out, out there, and he's not giving you any, so you're really depending on him winning, which, you know, the White Sox help with that, but he, he hasn't even been pitching deep into games consistently like he has in years past. Uh, Frankie Montas was up against the Angels this weekend. He did allow four runs over five and two-thirds, though they were not earned. Zero earned runs in this start. He is... At a 4.45 ERA, however, with a 1.41 whip, the drop meter on Frankie Montas. Um, five. I'll say five. Let me see. What did I have? I had Bumgarner a six. Do I have a four yet? I Luis, guess Castillo was Luis a four. Castillo, yeah. Yep. So, yeah, keeping things keeping things calibrated here. We got we're a five for Frankie Montas. That splitter is just started getting a ton of whiffs again. Kind of reminds me of two years ago. And so I'm reluctant to move on from him, even though the ERA is bad. I think there are some positive signs that the the ground ball rate is still really low, which is not what he was doing two years ago. But I I, I think he's moving the right direction and he gives you volume. So five for Frankie Montas. Last name here, Scott, is Cole Irvin up against the Angels this weekend. He allowed four earned runs over six innings pitched. And kind of like Dave Scalfani, you know, the surface numbers are okay, 3.92 ERA, but the underlying numbers are pretty bad. So I was never buying into Irvin. I I wrote him as a hot, like, I wrote him just because he was a hot hand play in leagues where he, where I could take advantage of his relief pitcher eligibility. Um, But, you know, in the long run, that came back to bite me because now there's three starts in a row with four and runs or more. He might eventually be the opening created for Jesus Lazardo. So I go 10 Irvin on, on Irvin. I don't think, you know, maybe in just such a deep league where there's no interesting pitchers available, there's no reason to drop him. But if there's anybody else you want more, Irvin is, you can, you can move on. All right. So some players you can drop Cole Irvin at the top of that list. We're going to take a quick break. But when we return, if you're dropping people. Who are you adding? We'll talk about it next. Fantasy Baseball Today. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. 
the top waiver wire starting pitchers from the weekend. Obviously, Tarek Skubal was one of them, and we spoke about him at the top. But how about his teammates, of course, Casey Mize and Turnbull, and then a few others from this weekend, Scott. Adbert Alzali, five and two-thirds shutout against the Reds. It's surprising to me that he's still only 64% rostered. He's been really good. Uh, John Gray was not good at the Pirates this weekend, but he faces the Rangers at home. And for some reason, John Gray is really good at home this year. He's got a 2.36 ERA in seven home starts. And the other name is JT Brubaker, who tossed six shutout against the Rockies. He's 54% rostered. He was placed on the bereavement list on Sunday, but his next start uh, is still lined up for Friday against the Marlins, obviously, if he comes off the bereavement list. So between Mize, Alzalei, uh, Alzalei, uh Gray, Brubaker, Turnbull, Scott, who, who are your one or two favorites from that group? Oh, it's easily Alzali and Mize. Easily. I like the Zs. Anyone with a Z in his name. All about that. No, Alzali. Yeah, I, I agree with you. 64% rostered. I'm it hasn't been moving up for some reason, but he's been uh he's been pretty impressive. Now I have noticed the whiffs are down in May, even though he's still featuring that slider like his primary pitch, basically. So that's got, that kind of has me scratching my head, but the results have been good, and I think it's very very likely the whiffs come back. So, Azalei would be my top choice. Mize, uh, the Mize actually the this last start the whiffs were actually pretty good, but he's he's uh, he's thriving on weak contact anyway, and obviously has a great pedigree. So, eh, it wasn't this last start the whiffs were good, but they, they've been better in May overall. Mm-hmm. Uh, still not great, but giving you innings. We're worried that they, we're worried about how much longer he'll be giving you innings, but he's giving them to you for now and just being good enough that I think he's, uh, you know, not must roster, but I think he's a a decent player to roster. And would you put Scooble ahead of both of those names you mentioned, Scott? I think so. Alzali and Scooble are probably pretty close for me, but I'd, I'd have Scooble atomized, like I said earlier in the show. Mm-hmm. And if anyone's in shallower leagues, you say Kikuchi, 75% rostered, so might be out there in some 10-team uh, leagues, but he's been pretty good recently. Uh, up against the Rangers yeah. on Sunday, six and two-thirds, three hits, two runs, five strikeouts, 16 swinging strikes on 104 pitches. So it seems like Kikuchi is hitting his stride right now. And I, Yeah, so... His last six starts for Kikuchi, 277 ERA, 0.85 whip. That's awesome. 9.5 K per nine and a 15.8% swinging strike rate, which would be, you know, like a like a top five in baseball swinging strike rate. Um, 96.3 is what he averaged in his fastball in this most recent start. He's hit 98. It seems like Kikuchi just keeps getting better. Mm-hmm. And you would put him ahead of uh, Skubal and Alzali? Yes, I would. Me too. So let's do it. Get Yusei Kikuchi on your fantasy teams. Uh, That number should be closer to 100% rostered. Some deeper starting pitcher ads, part one, because there was a lot this weekend. Uh, Martin Perez was up against the Marlins. Five innings, two runs, four strikeouts. Chris Bubich was at the Twins. Six innings, one run, five strikeouts. Logan Webb returned. And he went up against the Dodgers, five innings, two runs with seven strikeouts. Alex Cobb at the Oakland A's, seven shutout with eight strikeouts. Where'd that come from? Uh, And then Justin Dunn up against the Rangers, five and two-thirds, one run, eight strikeouts with 16 swinging strikes. So, Scott, between Martin Perez, Bubich, 
Logan Webb, Alex Cobb, Justin Dunn. Who's your favorite from that group? I'm not wild about any of them. I haven't put in a bid for any of them in any league I'm in. If I have to pick a favorite, it's probably Bubich because I, I, I think his changeup might be the best pitch that any of these pitchers have. I mean, Alex Cobb's splitter, but he throws it so much. Uh, and Bubich has a great ground ball rate this year, which is also something I appreciate. So Bubich would be my number one choice. All right, some deeper SP ads, part two. And if you didn't like that list, Scott, I mean, uh, we're going pretty deep here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Mitch Keller tossed five shutout against the Rockies. He basically alternates terrible starts with decent starts. So uh, if you follow that trend, he might get blown up his next start. But he is going up against the Marlins this week. So that that's what stood out to me. Uh, 13% rostered is Mitch Keller. Mike Fultonevich, smoke and mirrors. I don't know how he continues to do it, but seven innings, two runs, only two strikeouts. Ross Stripling, this is now two appearances in a row where he's looked pretty good. Five innings, one run, three strikeouts. Matt Peacock, don't really know much about the fellow, but six innings, two runs, six strikeouts. He plays for the Diamondbacks, if you didn't know. He went up against the Cardinals this weekend. Uh, and he's Vla- not Brad Peacock, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> uh, and Vladimir Gutierrez for the Reds. He was called up on Friday. He pitched against the Cubs. Five innings, one run, three strikeouts. Got, of course, deeper leagues, but... Um, if you had to choose one between Mitch Keller, Mike Fultonevich, Ross Stripling, Matt Peacock, and Vladimir Gutierrez. I think you could take a flyer on Stripling, just given his history. You know, at this time last year, we were all pretty excited about him. If only he had a spot in the Dodgers rotation, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, Stripling would be the guy. I'm not saying in standard mixed leagues you need to make a move for him yet, but... yeah. I got to pick someone because that's the exercise. (laughs) That is the exercise indeed. Let's talk about some hitters. And Ty France, since returning from the IL, he has nine hits in seven games. He's 60% rostered and he plays seven games this week. If you remember, in 23 games before he got hurt, he was batting 325, three homers, eight doubles, a 9% walk rate, 23% strikeout rate. Scott, I kind of feel like people are forgetting how good he was, and I think his roster rate should be higher than 60%. This is Ty France. Well, yeah. I mean, the thing that uh, is not obvious just from looking at his numbers and from the experience of rostering him was he got hit by by a pitch in the forearm. Uh, Basically, the, the injury he went on the IL for. But after getting hit, he played, you know, like three weeks. So his numbers collapsed. Yeah. Yeah. I had a good feeling after a, a period of rest to let that injury heal, he'd come back. You know, he's been such a consistent 300 hitter in, in every context. And, and now he's what, three for 10 since coming back? Exactly 300, three for nine, like three for nine or three for 10. Uh, yeah. I think, I think Ty France is going to be worth a second look. If not already, then soon. Would you rather have him or Nick Madrigal, who has multiple hits in four of his last six games? He's now batting 300. He's 71% rostered. So you might have to make a decision on those two in shallower leagues if you need a second baseman. Yeah, I think France clearly has the more upside. If you know if Madrigal was going to be a big base stealer, that might be different, but one steal so far. So Madrigal is looking a lot like what we thought David Fletcher would be, and maybe what David Fletcher will still be eventually, but lack of strikeouts being his main strength. There's some interest there in points leagues maybe, but overall I'm not, I'm not that interested in Madrigal. 
it's pretty weird that the White Sox won't let Madrigal run. I don't I don't know if it's if it's just something to do with him or what the reason is, but he's in the 81st percentile in sprint speed according to Statcast and they're letting Tim Anderson run. It's I guess they're not really letting anyone else run, but yeah, I think he's capable of it. They just they're not letting Nick Madrigal run for whatever reason. Uh, Mike Zanino over the weekend, he continues to crush it on. I believe it was Sunday. He went two for four with his twelfth home run, and he is up there in terms of barrel rate this year. Uh, he's actually number one. I think I said Tyler O'Neill was number one earlier. That is false. It's actually Mike Zanino. I think I mixed those two stats up. But uh, Mike Zanino, number one in barrel rate among all hitters, not just catchers, and he's doing that with a 37% strikeout rate. So, uh, Scott, he is 53% rostered. Do you need to get Zanino in one-catcher leagues? I don't have a lot of trust in Zanino, but there aren't 12 catchers that I have a lot of trust in. So if you're at the back end of that group in terms of filling your catcher spot, I think uh, you just work with him until he runs out of steam, until maybe that barrel rate normalizes. Uh, yeah, I, I have him in one league where I've been doing that, and so far, so good. Would you drop any of Gary Sanchez, Mitch Garver, or James McCann for Mike Zanino? Not Garver. Look at Garver's May stats. They're really good. He seems to be gaining steam. The other two, look, rest of season, I think McCann and even Sanchez, I'd bet on them being better from today forward, but if it's, you know... If it's a, a one catcher league, I swapping him out for the hot hand. I don't think is is wrong necessarily. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's weird because it's coming at a time where Sanchez actually has looked a little bit better recently. Five hits over his last three games. Finally, yeah, has, has his playing time gone up? Has he been? Is he kind of back in the predominant catcher role for the Yankees? I know that he was playing more because of all their injuries, so they were just playing him at DH. And they were having Kyle Higashioka catch. Uh, but it looks like Sanchez has played... He's only um, sat one time since May 23rd, is what it looks like. Well, there was a doubleheader on the 27th, but... Yeah, he's yeah, been playing, he's playing more. more. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's, I, I, still, I still think it's pretty interchangeable. Eh, you could probably just ride the hot hand, like you said. Uh, last name I wanted to bring up here, Scott. Brad Miller, he went two for four with an RBI on Sunday. He is now batting 304 with five home runs and three steals. He's 22% rostered and figures to play pretty consistently as long as Bryce Harper is out. He has first, second, third, and outfield eligibility on CBS, and he plays six games this week. So where, if anywhere, do you think uh, Brad Miller needs to be rostered? Uh, anywhere you, you need a... Fill in bat at one of those positions. I'd be fine picking him up in any format. I don't think there's longevity here, really. You know, people who played last year might remember. I think was he with the Cardinals at the time, but he had a he had a really productive stretch last year where he did a lot of damage in a short period of time for fantasy teams, and I think he's capable of doing that again while he is getting the playing time. And I like his matchups this week, so. Yeah, I'd be fine with Miller as a fill-in. Alrighty. Some deeper waiver wire hitters, Scott, that uh, let me know if you have any interest. Again, these are these are deep names. Uh, Josh Reddick went three for five on Sunday. He's betting 324. He's now with the Arizona Diamondbacks. And he's been playing pretty consistently. Uh, he's 2% rostered. They have seven games this week. Edmundo Sosa, who is playing shortstop for the Cardinals. He's filling in for Paul DeYoung. 
He's batting 309. He has two steals. He's 7% rostered. And Freddie Galvis, he had uh, he has three home runs over his last four games, and he's now up to nine home runs. Freddie Galvis, every single year, nobody wants to roster him. He's boring, but he just like kind of produces like a middle infielder in a deeper league, so it's not exciting. But uh, Redick, Sosa, Galvis, anything here? I, I mean, I, I think in the leagues where they're worth rostering, it'll be pretty obvious. Like in a 15-team league where I just lost Nick Horn, Nico Horner as my shortstop after already losing Corey Seager as my shortstop. Edmundo Sosa was the best shortstop to pick up, and there really was no other choice. So, uh, I mean, he did have interesting numbers in the minors two years ago, but that was obviously with the juice ball and, and the PCL. He had 17 home runs in 453 games. So I I don't know, I don't think you're missing anything if you pass him over. And I, I'd rather have have had Freddie Galvis if that was an option. Let's sit the calls of the pen a little bit earlier. Get you some bullpen updates from the weekend. And for the Cardinals, Daniel Ponce de Leon picked up two saves on Thursday and Friday, and it just kind of caught my eye. So I wanted to let everyone know that uh, Alex Reyes was unavailable for that for I believe it was Friday, and the Thursday one went into extra innings where Alex Reyes. Actually, had already pitched. So, uh, Reyes also picked up his 15th save over the weekend. I don't think there's anything to see there, but uh, maybe Ponce de Leon is the next man up behind Alex Reyes. So, uh, for the Giants this weekend, Jake McGee was using the eighth inning on Friday. Tyler Rogers allowed three runs and took the blown save, but wound up with the win. And then on Sunday, Jake McGee was used in the ninth inning and he allowed a home run to Albert Pools, but did lock up yeah. his 12th save. It's, you had your chance. You had your chance, McGee. You could have gotten it back. That's what I think. That's what I think of this situation. I think they'll go back to Rodgers next time. Yeah, I think so too. For the Mariners, oh my, always always fun times here. Keenan Middleton was using the eighth inning on Friday. Eric Swanson recorded four outs. He picked up his first save. Rafael Montero was unavailable. He had pitched three of four days entering Friday. Uh, and then Rafael Montero allowed a run, but picked up his seventh save on Saturday. And Keenan Middleton got his fourth save on Sunday. So three saves this weekend for the Mariners. Three different Mariners relievers picked them up. Yeah, It's a mess. You know, remember the, the like, uh, the shruggy shoulder emoji that was just made with like a bunch of, like, uh, text, you know, the... <laughs> that one, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I actually do. <laughs> yeah, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I did that's, pick up. That's what's going on. Just wait for Graveman to get back. Yeah, and uh, Graveman, I saw that he is still quarantining in San Diego, which is one of they had one of their previous series there. But uh, he either tested positive or he was a close contact for uh, for COVID. So that's that's why he's currently on the IL. I did pick up Keenan Middleton in a few very deep league fifteen team roto leagues, but um, yeah. We're, we're scraping the bottom of the barrel in those I, leagues. I have, I have yet to drop Montero in the 15-team Roto League where I have him. Though I did drop him in my 24-team Dynasty League, apparently <laughs> prematurely. I don't know. I don't think so, Scott. I, I don't think it was premature. I think it's, <laughs> you got to save. I think it's perfectly fine. Uh, for the Tampa Bay Rays on Saturday, Diego Castillo was using the eighth inning. J.P. Fireisen got his second save. He's 11% rostered. Scott, are, are you a little bit more interested in... Fire Icing, he now has... Uh, fire Icing. Back-to-back... A, a song of Fire Icing. Yes. Back-to-back saves for the Rays. Um, yeah. I'm interested. I mean, who knows what the Rays are doing ever, right? But it seems like he's at least on equal 
terms with Castillo. And the numbers are good this year for J.P. Fireisen, who, I mean, that's a nice name. I like the name. <laughs> it's a pretty cool name. I like the name, <laughs> yeah. Um, put out the fire. He's got ice running through his veins. Like, you could just do so much with that. <laughs> send, and, in, send in some Team Name Tuesdays. We'll hook it up. <laughs> no, I mean, look, I'm not blowing the budget for him in those 15-team Roto Leagues we play in where obviously anybody who shows signs of getting saves is gets scooped up. I was prioritizing Fire Ison over, like, uh, Lucas Sims, who TJ Anton came back in and got a four-out save on Sunday with Sims working earlier in the game. But Sims got the previous two saves, and I don't think Anton's ever going to become just a true closer because he's too versatile. So I, I think Sims is a kind of... I think among the true relievers, Sims has emerged as the front runner in Cincinnati, but you know, obviously it's not going to be a 100% situation, at least not yet. So I went fire ice and over him, and I went both over somebody like Keenan Middleton. Mm-hmm. Amir Garrett pitched in the sixth inning on Sunday. Lucas Sims was used in the seventh. For the Twins on Saturday, Hansel Robles allowed a run in the eighth inning. Taylor Rogers allowed two runs in, in the ninth. It was actually a home run to Adalberto Mondesi, his first of the year. Uh, but Taylor Rogers did get his fourth save of the season. For the Blue Jays on Sunday, it sure looks like Jordan Romano is back, baby, as the closer. He picked up his third save. He's 55% rostered. I think that number needs to be higher. Uh, Rafael Dolis was used the inning before. Roman, uh, Romano now has I, their Tyler last three Chat, saves. Tyler, Tyler Chatwood did get a chance for a save Sunday, but he walked five, and it was bad. I, I assumed Romano just needed a day off. Yeah. Um, for the Royals on Sunday, oh, always great times with the Royals as well. Kyle Zimmer used in the sixth and the seventh. He recorded four outs. Scott Barlow was using the seventh and the eighth. And who gets the save? He's back from the dead, baby. Greg Holland, his first save since April 18th. And I should have saw this coming, Scott, because I actually dropped Greg Holland in a 15-team league last Thursday for Kyle Zimmer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what a mess. Serves you right. Ah, oh, what an absolute I, I, mess. I was prioritizing Holland after Fire Ice and, and Sims, both, because I don't think it'll be a long... First of all, I... Not confident he'll be getting all the save chances for the Royals while Stalmont is out. And it, it doesn't sound like Stalmont's absence is going to be a lengthy one. Yeah. Uh, for the White Sox on Saturday, Liam Hendricks, he picked up saves in both games of the doubleheader. He also picked up one on Sunday. So now he, he has 13 saves total. Uh, Ryan Presley allowed a three-run home run to Fernando Tatis on Saturday. That was his first blown save of the season. Rysel Iglesias picked up his ninth save. Craig Campbell got his 12th. And Lou Trevino got his seventh on Friday. We'll quickly wrap up with some leftovers from the weekend. Some starting pitcher studs being studs. Lucas Giolito up against the Orioles. Sure looks like he's just back and he's great. Seven innings, one run, three walks, 12 strikeouts for Giolito. Freddie Peralta at the Nationals this weekend. Seven innings, one run, seven strikeouts. Like to see some length there from Peralta, so that's nice. Uh, Brandon Woodruff at the Nationals as well. Seven shutout with 10 strikeouts. And Max Scherzer up against the Brewers on the other side of that game. Six innings, two runs, one walk, 10 strikeouts. 18 swinging strikes on 89 pitches. Scott, anything you would like to add on Giolito, Peralta, Woodruff, Scherzer? Well, I'm I'm still a little hesitant to say Woodruff is now the best pitcher in the world, but in 8 of 11 starts this year, he's allowed three hits or fewer. 
And one of the, one of the three where he didn't allow three hits or fewer, he allowed four hits. That's crazy. Yeah. It's very impressive. Uh, some things to pay attention to for starting pitchers that just stood out to me a little bit. Hyunjin Ryu at Cleveland on Friday. He allowed two runs over five innings with six strikeouts, but he averaged 86.5 miles per hour on his fastball. Not that, you know, Ryu is blowing the ball past anybody, but mm-hmm. he averages 89 on the fastball on the season. Apparently, it was really cold in Cleveland on uh, on Friday night, so I'm sure that affected it. I actually read that. That's exactly what he said. But still, I mean, for it to be down two and a half miles per hour, just pay attention there. Shohei Otani, speaking of fastball velocity, was back. The velocity was back a little bit. Uh, he averaged 94 miles per hour in his most recent start. That was closer to the 95 he's averaged on the season. If you remember, it was now the start before this one. He averaged like 91 and 91.5 miles per hour on his fastball. So nice to see Otani's velocity bounce back. Uh, you, it... Have you noticed how with Otani lately, it seems like they just decide the day before that he's starting. There's no, it's, yeah. it's not like he takes, every, he starts every sixth day. So he, he seems pretty unusable as a starter as long as they're going to do that. Just surprise, Otani's starting today. <laughs> yeah. Just keep him in your lineup as a hitter from from yeah. a fantasy perspective. It's, it's fun to watch him pitch. There's no doubt about it. He's talented, but uh, still much, much more viable for fantasy as a hitter. You Darvish. Up against the Astros this weekend, five innings, five runs, four of those were earned. But I did notice after this start, his swinging strike rate is down to 12% this year. Last year, that was 14.3%. And he also has a career-high 49% fly ball rate, which is not really like you, Darvish, at all. Last year, that was 31%. So we'll be watching. Swinging strike rate and fly ball rate for you, Darvish. Uh, and Trevor Rogers, the last one at the Boston Red Sox. He was fine. Six innings, two runs, six strikeouts, but he has now averaged under 94 miles per hour on his fastball for, I believe, I actually think it's three straight starts. I think I meant to write three. So um, Trevor Rogers, still good. Velocity down a little bit. Interestingly, what day was that that Rogers started? I believe it was Saturday. Saturday? Yes. Got to find this. Okay. Yeah, I got it. So he threw 13 sliders. Remember, we were worried he was fading the slider. He threw 13 sliders in this game and got seven whiffs on 13 sliders. So um, that was an encouraging sign. Although, you know, there's still there's still a little reason, a little bit of reason for hand wringing over Trevor Rogers, just worrying about if if he's trending the wrong direction here. the The other shoe has yet to drop, and hopefully, it never will. But I don't know. A little. I, I think the jury's still out on Trevor Rogers. Some uh, hitting leftovers from the weekend. Jared Kelnick is now batting just 123 with a four thir- uh, 443 OPS. Scott, should we leave Kelnick in our lineups this upcoming week or wait for him to show some signs of life? Well, I really liked the Mariners matchups these past weeks. So I, he did it a home run. I mean, could have been better. I'm not ready to sit him yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eugenio Suarez has now let off the last five games that he has started for the Cincinnati Reds. He has three home runs during that span, not really doing much else. Adalberto Mondesi is batting 318, six games into his season with one homer, one steal, one caught stealing, and in Mondesi fashion, zero walks to 10 strikeouts. <laughs> so, uh, Whit Merrifield, this one I found interesting. He's batting just 230 in May. The plate discipline looks fine. Uh, he's got a 247 BABIP with a 51% ground ball rate. So 
Normally, Babbitt is very high for Whit Merrifield and batting average because he hits a lot of line drives. The line drive rate has been down in the month of May, so I think that's why he's struggling right now. And Charlie Blackman went three for four with two doubles and a triple on Sunday. He is now batting 310 in the month of May, and he's up to 250 overall. So some signs of life here for Charlie Blackman. Scott, we'll wrap up with to stream or not to stream, and we'll start with Monday. Dylan Bundy at the Giants, James Caprillion at the Mariners, Merrill Kelly versus the Mets, Wade Miley versus the Phillies, Mike Miner versus the Pirates, and Johnny Cueto versus the Angels. I like Caprillion at Seattle. That's the team he just faced, so it'll be interesting the second time, but obviously he could throw a no-hitter because it's Seattle. Um, Miner against Pittsburgh. I think it's pretty good. I don't love any of the others. I guess Bundy at San Francisco, but obviously that's that's taking a chance. Merrill Kelly, man, versus the Mets. Although we can't pick on the Mets anymore, man. They're in first place. They're finding ways to win, so good for them. I mean, I, their lineup yeah. is still not good, in my opinion, but... No, that's that's a pretty good one. I'm, I might prefer that to Bundy. Mm-hmm. I just I don't really like Merrill Kelly, but he's on a nice run, and it's a good matchup. Well, what did he do to you, Scott? Why don't you like him? <laughs> <laughs> I don't like his numbers. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's take a look at some streamers for Tuesday. Garrett Richards at the Houston Astros. Luis Garcia versus the Red Sox. Brady Singer versus the Pirates. David Peterson at the Diamondbacks. Andrew Heaney at the Giants. And, of course, mm-hmm. the stud, John Gant at the Dodgers. Well, hopefully at that in that big park at San Francisco, we won't see three home runs off Andrew Heaney. So... Um, uh, I'll go Luis Garcia over him versus Boston. I mean, obviously that's not a tough ma- that's not a good matchup. But Garcia did have his best start against the Dodgers last time out. But then I'll also go Heaney and I'll go Singer against Pittsburgh. All righty, for Scott and Frank, thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye bye. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on Homes.com. As somebody who's been through this, I can tell you these features are so, so incredibly valuable. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools, and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. The area you live in is just as important as the house itself. You can get to know a neighborhood without ever setting foot in it. Say you're a really active person. You could find out about the nearest parks. Do they have a baseball field? Maybe you want to join a softball league like Chris and I play in. Also, Homes.com collaboration tools makes it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com. We've done your homework.